What's good, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Amatel Like a TIS podcast with your host, Jai Shields here. Great to have you listening for yet another week of my growing podcast. Got lots of stuff to talk with, you, uh, talk to you about today. Talk about these Pittsburgh Steelers and how they are just the black and gold brigade is just absolutely on fire, riding a five-game win streak and have won two games in 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 between in between our previous episodes, counting this one and then the one I made at uh, Brendan's house last week. I'm going to talk about the uh, Baltimore Ravens and why they are a joke and an absolute pathetic football team. I'll also touch on the Cowboys and why I think their season is over, as well as telling you why Alabama is college football and college football is Alabama Crimson Tide. I'll also touch on Washington Wizards, how they are at 2-9 and nine in this very young NBA season, and I'll preview two games I'm paying attention to in week 10 of the NFL and I'll give you my picks for week 10 towards the end of the program. So it's going to be a good show. Let's get started. First off, let's start with the Pittsburgh Steelers. The Pittsburgh Steelers who on record I've said that they are a football team that I didn't think was going to be very good this year. I was on record of saying how, even though I said they were going to win the division, said that this team was going to win the division simply because you had the Bungles and then you had Joe Flacco and company, Baltimore Ravens, and then, of course, you had the Cleveland Browns. But this team, as of late, they are making everyone who doubted them eat their eat their words and eat crow because since week 4 when they lost on Sunday night football at home against the hated rival Baltimore Ravens the Steelers have been on a 5 game winning streak 5 game winning streak that had that has consisted of them beating Atlanta the next week at home, 41-17. Going on the road and beating my Bungles late, thanks to the help of the horrible play calling of our Bengals defensive coordinator and Antonio Brown just being Antonio Brown. They beat us 28-21. They came back home and they pummeled the Browns and um, and that was the uh, lash and made Hugh Jackson and uh, got revenge against their old offensive coordinator from last year, Todd Haley. Cost those two both of their jobs by beating Cleveland 33-18 after tying them week one on the road in Cleveland. Last Sunday, they went into Baltimore, which I thought Baltimore had a shot to win. I mean, Baltimore, you know, they typically, well, I wouldn't say typically, but I like Baltimore. If you would ask me, Ravens Steelers, I said their chances are a lot better, and I like the Ravens a lot better playing in Baltimore just because of the defense and that crowd gets into it when they play the Steelers. I told you last week that the Ravens were going to win. Turns out I was wrong. Get to them in a minute, but they beat the Ravens twenty three to sixteen, and then they beat the excuse me beat the uh, Carolina Panthers at home on Thursday night football. Of, in front of America, they beat them 
about a final score of 52 to 21. Now, if you're doing math at home, sitting there, and you're bored stiff and, you know, looking for something to do, they ha and during this five-game win streak, the Pittsburgh Steelers have outscored their opponents 177 to 93. And the loss that they've scored in this win streak was last Sunday against the Ravens when they only managed to put up 23 points. They put up 41 against Atlanta, 33 against Cleveland, 52 Thursday against the Panthers, and 28 against Cincinnati. So their defense, which has struggled to early in the season, they found a way and picked themselves up. As well as the defense, 18 points given up to Cleveland. Gave up 16 to Baltimore. Gave up 21, but the, but it, in hindsight, it was really 14 because it was backups in. So the most amount of points they gave up was 21 to my Bengals a few weeks ago. So this Pittsburgh Steelers, they're making me and everyone else who said the sky was falling, that the drama in this locker room is too thick, there's too much division, the head coach, the team's own discipline, Antonio Brown, Lavia Bell, blah, 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 blah. They're making us, me included, everyone eat crow because they are playing fantastic football offensively and defensively. Like I said, outscored their opponents 177 to 93. And this is the Pittsburgh's defense that, to be honest, the first quarter of the season was hot garbage. Hot garbage to begin the season. But as of late, they have definitely picked it up. Again, riding five-game win streak. Ever since that Baltimore loss, I guess kind of lit a fire underneath that team and said, this is not serious. We cannot allow the Ravens to walk into here and, and let Alex Collins run all over us. But, you know, we almost lost to him last year, late, late in the year at home on Sunday night. And this time we let things got to change, and I think that's what Mike Tomlin did. He got a hold of his squad, and he said, "If we want to salvage this season, and if we want to be, and if our main goal is still intact, that we that we can run the table and end up holding up that Vince Lombardi Trophy in the Mercedes Benz Stadium in Atlanta by the by the end of by the end of the night of the first Sunday in February." That if we still have that goal in mind, we got we got to change and we got to fix the, what we're doing and fix it fast, because no, because nothing because nothing was going to get solved by the, by them getting absolutely embarrassed. I mean, I mean, I'm sorry, but they, they had they had they had to change their ways. They, it was a must. They had to change their ways. I mean, and Big Ben has excuse me, Big Ben has come around. Thursday's game, he was 22 for 25 through 328 yards, five touchdown passes. He had more touchdown passes than incompletions, ladies and gentlemen. The quarterback out of that 2004 draft that is a lock for the Hall of Fame, I'm talking about him right here. Number seven out of Miami, Ohio. Mr. Big Ben Rocklesberger. He's a Hall of Famer. Philip Rivers has done nothing in his career. Granted, it's not all his fault, because of you know, because the team he plays for and the owner and everything, and moving to L.A. from San Diego. I'm not putting him in the Hall of Fame. Eli Manning, you know, he beat Brady twice. 
but once it was off the hands of the defense, I'm not putting his downfall has been so tragic. You cannot, under any circumstances, put him in the Hall of Fame whatsoever. So you're looking at the guy who come midway at the around the midway point of the 2020 decade. That's your that's your Hall of Famer out that at the 2004 class. Mr. Big Ben Roethlisberger, because, and if I haven't seen anyone's play turn around, it's him, because the performances that he's had as of late, compared to earlier in the season, especially against Cleveland, have been absolutely mind-boggling. I mean, he if there's anyone that has turned their season around and have turned the corner. It's Roethlisberger. He, he, Roethlisberger is looking like a real stud right now. I mean, he's always been a stud, don't get me wrong, but he, but he, but Ben Roethlisberger is one of those players that when he gets into a funk, he gets into a funk real bad, but he's also, now, Grant, I'm not saying he's Blake Bortles, you know, he does circles around Blake Bortles and all aspects of it, but still, Big Ben when he's on fire, he is on fire, like like lethal fire. I mean, the performance that he put up Thursday night, get, getting completions to every to everyone on the field, only three incomplete, threw the ball 25 times. James Conner barely touched the ball Thursday night, had only three incompletions, threw five touchdowns. That's That's amazing. That's that's Tom Brady type stuff right there. That's Joe Montana. That's goat lights, greatest of all time. That that that's what that is. That that's on that goat level of of stat line right there. And the and we'll see, because again last year they went on this or they went on the similar ride, you know, mid November, you know, in November heading into mid December, and. All the high, and they and remember they almost they had to come back against Cincinnati. They had to come back at home against Nick Hundley, against the Green Bay Packers, and they almost and they won by field goal late in the year against Baltimore last year. So now unlike those times, it looks like that they're taking care of business and they're not farting around. You know, they didn't play down to the... I mean, they played down the competition early against Cleveland, but they but they managed to get themselves together and turn it around. Now, do I think the Steelers are making the Super Bowl out of the AFC East? Or out of the AFC, excuse me? No. No. I have to see more from them. I have to see, I have to see them. They play the Patriots week 15, December the 16th at home. Almost 360... Five days from the previous meeting, a year a year ago last December, I have to see at four twenty five. That's a CBS game. I guarantee you, that's a uh, Nance and Romo type deal. But anyway, I have to see more from them. I have to see them beat Jacksonville, which they could not do if their life depended on it last year. Whether it be regular season or the playoff game, they could not beat Jacksonville under any circumstances. I gotta I gotta see them beat. Uh, Los Angeles and I gotta see him beat the Patriots 
and I got to see see what they're worth week 16, two days before Christmas, the 23rd, on the road against the Saints. That's three game, That's three big games right there. Or actually four. Yeah, even though the Jags aren't that good this season, but still, yeah, I'd pay attention to them. Because if they go up, because if they go down, the Jags won't stick up the joint. I'm, they're not, no, no. They can kiss Atlanta goodbye. And you see what they do at home against the Chargers for 2nd of December in week 13. Patriots won is the one I have to see something. But really, the two big games I got to see something from is back-to-back. Week 15 and 16 at home against the Patriots and in New Orleans in the Superdome. Those are the two things I those are the two things I have to see. I from I have to see that from Pittsburgh in order for me to buy into the all of a sudden hype that the Steelers are the are the AFC favorite because right now I'm still not buying it. Because it's the same team that can go on a hot run like this and then all of a sudden you know edge out a win against Jacksonville, edge out a win against Denver. And then fall in, fall on their face the rest of the way, and lose to the Chargers. Somehow cough up a game, cough up a game against the Raiders, and then let Tom Brady walk in there and throw five touchdowns of his own in the Heinz Field. So you gotta keep that in mind. Steelers are a very wishy-washy, inconsistent type of team because they can win, because they can win, they can win five in a row one week, and then and then lose to Jack, then lose to Jacksonville, Denver. L.A., um, Jacksonville, Denver, L.A., the Raiders, and the Patriots the next. And squeeze out victories against the Saints and the Bengals. Or split the last two games of the season. So, I'm not entirely sold on them as far as being a Super Bowl contender yet. But they are a good football team that has started to find found their way in midst of the, of the drama with the Le'Veon Bell situation still going on. Antonio Brown, he had six receptions for 96 yards and a touchdown. Juju Smith-Schuster had three receptions for 90 yards and a touchdown. Vance McDonald, Jesse James, Jalen Samuels, who, what, yeah. They all had receiving touchdowns in the game, including, well, not including, but Vince Williams had a pick six early in the game right after, only 17 seconds after Big Ben to Juju, 75 yards, first play from scrimmage for the Steelers. 17 game seconds after that, Vince Williams had a pick six with T.J. Watt harassing Cam Newton. So there you go with that. Quick little nuggets, Ben Roethlisberger 16-3 on primetime television. Monday night, Sunday night, Thursday night football. Antonio Brown has a, has a touchdown reception in seven straight games. That's the longest streak in the league right now. James Conner has 11 scrimmage yards, 10, 10 rushing touchdowns. Which beats Le'Veon Bell's all-time rushing mark, mark, rushing touchdowns in a season. So you can see that um, Le'Veon Bell definitely is replaceable. And speaking of which, touch on him for a minute. Le'Veon Bell first off tweeted earlier in the week, you know. Goodbye, um, Miami, which is where he's been during this entire time he's held out. So, that tweet was basically implying that he was leaving Miami. And then he was seen working at a Planet Fitness. 
And then after that, he tweeted something. Now, with Le'Veon Bell, listen, like I told, like I discussed with Brendan last Saturday night, this was a situation that should have been nipped in the bud back in really late July, early August. The latest, the latest Labor Day, which is when, which was what he and his agent originally said, yeah, he'll be back by Labor Day. Labor, Labor Day came and went and didn't show up. Oh, well, he'll be back after the bye week. Okay, bye week went and left and didn't show up. So he tweets, farewell Miami, which obviously got lots of attention. Then after he tweets about the Duke game the other night, he goes on and says, puts out a cryptic tweet upside down. I don't know how he did this, but but I'll read it. He says, just about everybody has an opinion. Just about everyone has an opinion on my life and worried about what I'm doing. Don't judge me off of my decisions. Maybe maybe this isn't what you do, but most people don't take the time to to simp, to just simply read between the lines, and that's clearly on them. Then he says... I'm not apologizing for what I believe is right for myself, my family, and the rest of my peers, period. Also, if you're really finding the time to figure out what I'm saying, you've proved my point. Now, what do I take from that? What he's basically saying is, basically he's telling the media, people like me included, don't make judgments upon him based on his decision. And the fact that most people don't take time to simply read with a third eye, as Joe Madison or SiriusXM Urban View would say, or as he stated in his tweet, read between the lines. And he says, I apologize for what he believes. For myself, family, da 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 da. Really finding time to figure out what I'm saying, you prove my point. Basically, what he's saying is that he could care less what me and all the people on ESPN and NFL Network and FS1 and SiriusXM and all and newspapers across America and beyond really could. He really could give a crap about what they about what they think and what they have to say because at the bottom line it's a decision that affects, you know, not just his family and friends and everything. Here's the thing I tell Le'Veon Bell, and I'll say it, and I've said it multiple times. I said it to Brennan last week, I've said it back in September, and I keep saying it until he comes back. 
Le'Veon Bell has to realize it's football to him a hobby or a career. I get it. He wants his money. But what Le'Veon Bell has to realize is he can't earn anything sitting at home or partying on yachts or in, in strip clubs in Miami. He's losing money. Every single time he met, it's fine, 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 fine. When he gets back to prison, it's gonna be like it's gonna be like a, a it's, it's gonna be like a thick old stack of of uh, of notices about how much he was about how much he was fined in between the start of training camp to November the tenth. Training camp started mid July. It's been you know you got. It, July July to August, that's one month. August to September, that's two. September to October, it's three. October, so it's so it's um it's, it's almost three and a half months. Like I, like I understand the guy wants his money. At the end of the day, he's injury prone. Which is why he's holding out, which and he basically wants to make it so he gets to pick and choose. Well, again, he can't pick and choose what games he wants to play because at the end of the game, he's not he's not on the Cleveland Browns, okay? He's not on the Browns. He's not on the he's not on the uh, San Francisco 49ers. He's not on the Arizona Cardinals. He's not on the Oakland Raiders. He is on the Pittsburgh Steelers that are trying to make one last run at a Super Bowl championship. You can get away with that in college. But even then, if you, if you and even then, like if your team has a chance to win a national championship and you're a senior, you want to play for the NFL, you know, I know because it's for your livelihood and it's something you want to do with your life and it's a career choice and everything else and one bad injury and then it's all gone. But even then, I give college players to do it a bit of a hard time because you're competing for a championship. You know, and last time I checked, football is a team sport. It's it's a sport that requires the, like, the most teamwork. If the offensive lineman ain't blocking run game doesn't work. And if the run game doesn't work and the offensive line's bad, guess what? Quarterback's getting pressured left and right and doesn't have enough time and doesn't have enough time to throw the ball down the field. And we ain't throwing the ball down the field, receivers can't catch the ball. Receivers can't catch the ball and and try to get some try to use the speed, get some yards, guess what? Can't drive down the field. Can't drive down the field. Can't score touchdowns. Can't score touchdowns. Can't win games. Can't win games can't have a chance to go to the playoffs. Can't go to the playoffs. Can't compete for Super Bowl. Can't compete for a Super Bowl. Depending on the, on his team and circumstances, your season's considered a failure. But football is a team sport, and he think Le'Veon Bell thinks it's basketball, where it's a team sport, but it's a lot of indu individualism in it. You know, basketball, all you, basketball, all you, the, I mean, the Lakers are going to make it 
to the play, going to make it to the conference semifinals, and all they have is LeBron James. But LeBron James's greatness alone can guide them to that to that situation. Seventy six is going to make it most likely to the conference finals because they have Embiid, Simmons, and and news came down today, and they have Jimmy Butler. The Cavaliers, that motley crew of Cavaliers from last season, they made it to the NBA Finals. All they needed was one player. That was LeBron James. Football's not like that. Football, you need the offensive line. You need running back. You need a quarterback. You need the receivers, tight ends included. You need coaching. A lot of joint efforts that have to mesh together and it's like a clock. All the cogs and, and the and the springs and, and the um it's a little world things. You get the idea. But all of them have to all of them have to have to rotate on point, on period, on time, and mesh together and work. Cause if one thing's out of unison, whole thing's messed up. And Le'Veon Bell has to realize that. And what makes the Steelers so good is their ability that they can switch it up between a run and a pass and be successful with both. And he doesn't understand. Now, are his players wrong for calling him out about it to the media publicly? Yes, yes, yes. But he has to understand what what one person, what... One decision one person makes affects everybody. You know, if if you know, it came out news before the game Thursday night that Le- that Antonio Brown had a speeding ticket a hundred miles an hour. What if he was caught driving drunk? Would have spent the night in jail. Wouldn't have been able to play, which affects the coaching staff, Roethlisberger, Juju, Vance McDonald, Jesse James, Connor, everyone else involved with the with, with the on field, with the get with the with the on field product, f- gamely for the Pittsburgh Steelers. Not to mention, not to mention. Now I'm not even touch I'm not even getting to the whole betting scenario with Vegas and fantasy football. Football is an ultimate team game. And Le'Veon Ball has to realize this isn't the NBA where you can a la Jimmy Butler and walk all over the franchise and say, Well, I don't want to play here no more. You know, you know, take my money, run and hide, take my ball and go home. I can walk all over you guys, cause because screw you, I'm I'm Jimmy Butler, and I can basically hold hold the franchise hostage and I can give whatever I want. Football don't work that way. It doesn't work that way. He has to realize: is it a hobby, or is it a profession?
So as a hobby, you can hang it up and retire. Make make your awful rap songs, live in Miami permanently, and just retire. You want he treat if he if he thinks of playing football as a career and as a profession and he gets paid good money to do. And I know the guy wants his money and everything, but trust me, he can live off of what he's making now. Trust me. If he manages, he can live. He can live. If it's a career and a profession, he's got to put away childish things and start acting like a mature adult. I understand the guy wants his money. I, I totally understand and I get that. But at the end of the day, when does it become to a point where you're losing more money than you would have made because of your defiance and holding out? But yet at the same time he would want he wants the Steelers to pay him, yet yet he's stabbing him in the back at the same time. You can't bite the he's biting the hand that feeds him. He he wants the big money and a guaranteed contract and everything that comes with it, yet he's not willing to sacrifice and bite the bullet and go out there and play. But yet he's got his hand out wanting more money. Yet he's yet yet he's yet he's biting the like yet he's buying the the team in the hind parts, so to speak, by not being there. And obviously thinks that his needs are more important than the teams in trying to win a championship. With which oh by the way, if he was smart, he'd realize that him playing would increase the increase the team's chances of winning, which like I said, win games Playoff contention. Playoff contention, make the playoffs. Make the playoffs, you have a shot, and trust me, they would have a shot in knocking off New England and going to a Super Bowl. Something that they haven't done in eight years in 2010 when they went when they went to play the Packers and do something that they haven't done in 10 years, which is win the Super Bowl. And trust me, if Le'Veon Bell thinks he looks good for teams free agency signings now, Imagine how imagine how good he would look in free agency, come spring come springtime, with with the with a big old Super Bowl ring on his finger. Dude loves the I see him off the. Dude loves wearing loves wearing the nice jewelry. If I was him, I wouldn't mind adding a, adding a Super Bowl fifty two, champion Super Bowl fifty three. Excuse me. Championship ring. Can show it off on his dopey rap videos. Le'Veon Bell's back in Pittsburgh was caught working out at a thing that was like a Planet Fitness in the Pittsburgh area, so he's very close to coming back soon. We won't. He has to play this year or else he can get. But still, nothing gets solved by holding out for this long. Cause at the end of the day, you gotta come back anyway. Unless you do, or or you don't or you don't get that season's pay or you you're not eligible for free agency. But he has to make up his mind. Is he a man or is he a muppet? Shifting gears to the 
Steelers opponent that they beat last week here in Baltimore, the Baltimore Ravens. The Baltimore Ravens, ladies and gentlemen, are a joke, okay? The Ravens are a complete joke and a complete waste of time in watching. I saw it, the whole thing. Sitting there, Buffalo Wild Wings in Westminster with my boy Brendan and his family. Watching all the NFL action. And if this, the restaurant had NFL Sunday ticket, had all the games on. He was paying attention to his Redskins getting whooped. Well, I had my main focus on the Baltimore-Pittsburgh game. And I'm here to tell you that the Baltimore Ravens are, at least offense, they are a absolute pain to watch. Watching their offense is torture. It is like getting a root canal. It is absolutely torture. They play this pedestrian, conservative, boring offense. They don't. Joe Flacco's got a cannon of an arm. They don't. They have Crabtree and Willie Sneed. They don't throw the ball down the field. Outside of a, of a few of a bunch aside a, beside a few last nine trick plays with Lamar Jackson running for two yards, they don't do any trick play trick plays. No, you know wide receiver wide receiver reverse pass which you see the Patriots do with Edelman. You don't see any flea flickers, the old school trick plays. You don't see Statue of Liberty. You see none of that with them. No play action, pass plays. Well, what you do see is Joe Flacco overthrowing his receivers, underthrowing his receivers. Guys like Michael Crabtree getting wide open inside the five-yard line, easy out route, has his hands extending out for the ball, hits, hits the ball, hits him right in his hands, he can't catch it. That's what I do see. Combination of horrible receiver play and Joe Flacco showing Ravens all the more reason why his hot push needs to be benched for the rest of the season, why he's, why re-signing him is downright blasphemy, and why Lamar Jackson needs to be the starting quarterback of the uh, for the Baltimore Ravens. That's what that's what I see. Uh, what I also see is, you know, on third and longs, when the Ravens are in desperate need of a score, what I do see is Joe Fago having all day to throw, and, you know, I don't know whether he's scared or what, but instead of him landing and flying, hoping something happens, or being a little aggressive, letting it fly, slinging the ball down the field, what he rather does is he'd rather have, you know, Alex Collins come out the backfield Run, run a good three yards. Stop, and he'll just dump it off to him and gain like set and gain like four yards on third and long. Instead of letting it fly with that cannon arm he has. I get it. Steve Smith is retired. I get it. That he doesn't have Anquan Bolden or Toy Smith. I get that. No Derek Mason in his rookie year. I get that. But. Their number one receiver, who they had last year, Rashad Perryman, who struggles with catching a football, he's not on the team. And you have a decent wide receiver in Michael Crabtree, and you have Willie Sneed, who wasn't a bad guy for Drew Brees down in New Orleans. 
Their offense is, is pathetic. It's, it's horrible. It's terrible. They've been outscored 95 to 69 during this three game. They've been they've lost four out of the last five games. The four losses they've been outscored 95 to 69, and they're running a three game losing streak. And the loss and one of the loss that they had on the road against Cleveland, they couldn't manage to score a touchdown. Couldn't score a touchdown. I am sick and tired of the Baltimore Ravens. I've had it. Flacco, again, enough. 23 for 37, 206 yards, no touchdowns. Well, you need to throw an interception. Yeah, you can't. How can you throw an interception when a your receivers are dropping every ball in sight? They stink, and when he does throw the ball, it's a little weak dump offs on third and twelves. So how can you throw an interception when you're playing such such conservative, pedestrian, boring, boring, snore fest to watch type football, offensively on the offensive side of the ball? How can you? I mean, I mean, and and I can't sit up here and get on that defense because defense can only do with so much when out on the field most of the game, and holding them so many times and and holding their breath and crossing their fingers and hitting their knees, hoping that that they put together a decent drive. Joe Flacco can go down and score a touchdown. You know, it's only with so many times before that defense starts to crack too. I'm sick of the Ravens. I'm, I'm sorry. Off, offensively. Oh, my. Watching that game in Buffalo Wild Wings, I'm like, you've got to be kidding me. I'm like, you guys. Like, I don't know what it is, but offensively, if you guys were any shot of making the playoffs, which is something you have not done since 2014. When you lost to New England in a Super Bowl championship year, on the road. And even then, prior to 2014, you had made it since you won the Super Bowl in 2012. You've done nothing since Ray Lewis hung up the hung up his cleats for the last time. You've done nothing since Ray Lewis hoisted up that Vince Lombardi trophy in the Mercedes-Benz Superdome in early February of 2013. You've done nothing since Nothing. 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 What I've seen from the Ravens is boring, conservative offensive play, defense that shows signs of greatness, but fades because the because the offense is like three and out every five seconds you turn around the offense the de, excuse me their defense is up on the field for too long so what they do they get tired and they give up yards and then it ends up giving up points that's what i see and i see john harbaugh who if anything saying he's not worried about it when you, you you should well you should be worried about your job I live, I live right, I live right around the corner from Ravens practice facility. I, I, I live close enough to the point where I should be hearing air raid sirens going, going off at that facility, hitting the panic button. 
Because if y'all don't get it together, I'm sorry. But Flacco and Harbaugh, Harbaugh especially, they both need to go. Because what, what they're, they're both not getting it done. And it's not, it's not making excuses for Joe Flacco. He, 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 I'm sorry. I know you st- still connected with him, and you always love him after the p- playoff performance he gave to you in 2012 with the miracle at mile high beating Peyton Manning, and and um apps and cutting up the Patriots defense in a championship game. You always have a special place in your heart for him, but at the end of the day, you gotta let you gotta you gotta learn how to let stuff go. I'm sorry, but what you got, but you gotta learn how to say goodbye, and 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 and, and you know, good night, farewell, amen, and and uh, coup de gras. I'm sorry, but but I've had enough of the Ravens. I've had enough. Last thing, and then I'll get to a break, and then we'll I'll discuss Alabama, their dominance in college football, and Washington Wizards. The Dallas Cowboys, ladies and gentlemen. Their season is over. They've lost two straight games. They've lost at home after the idiot long snapper, you know, couldn't set the couldn't keep still and set the ball on a potential uh game time game. I can't even remember. But he couldn't keep the ball still long enough. So, you know, he lost the game in Washington. Had a bye week. And then they've lost, and then they and then they lost at home on Monday Night Football. Must a game they had to have against the Titans. And, I, and I'm sorry, Dak Prescott overrated. I know he's thrown for 1,500 yards this season, but I'm sorry, he, he's overrated. I mean, De- when Dez when Dez fades, when Dez faded into oblivion and when J- Jason Witten decided he wanted him to call Monday Night Football, you take him away, Dak Prescott's no good. I'm I'm sorry. I mean so he's so bad to the point where the where the where the Cowboys were desperate and they had to trade for Amari Cooper, who isn't exactly Jerry Rice. On top of the fact, Zeke hasn't done anything either. 680 rushing yards on the season, three touchdowns only. Had 71, had, excuse me, had 17 carries for 61 yards on a Monday night loss. So he ain't running the ball. You got to rely on Cole. And all I ever, and all I ever heard with Dak Prescott his rookie year is, is oh my God. The Cowboys have finally found their quarterback. They're going to be on the path to greatness. Oh, boy. Oh, well, goodbye, Tony Romo. Oh, good luck in his CBS booth. Oh, wow. Dak Prescott is the greatest thing the Cowboys have had at quarterback since Troy Aikman. Oh, stop, please. I mean, fast forward two years, now look at you. You're in danger for going two straight years of missing the playoffs. 
All I ever heard was Dak was more important than Zeke. Dak was more important than Zeke. So then when the time came when Zeke was finally suspended last year, what did, what did Dak Prescott do? He stunk up the joint and pissed down his leg. That's what he did. I don't hear. I don't want to hear any more about Dak Prescott and Ezekiel Elliott. Overrated. I'm sorry. And and, and and Zeke better be careful because you know Dak is a choir boy. At least what we know off the football field. Never gets in trouble. Never says boo. Never does anything. Ezekiel Elliott. He's a clown off the football field. So he better. So one more slip up and we could see. We could say goodnight to Ezekiel Elliott too. And then they play the champion, and I'll pick this game later on in the show. But they play against the championship Philadelphia Eagles on the road tomorrow night. Which is a game I do not want to see, quite honest with you. I, I can do without seeing the Cowboys for a second straight week on national television, NFL. Thank you. Please. God, ugh, watching it off. Ugh. It's bad. You, you, it's bad enough you put them on when they had to play the Giants. And then we had to sit, sit, sit through that snore fest that was playing against the Titans this past Monday. Now I ain't gonna sit up here and put it, put them on again, put them on again, and they, and they're playing, and they're playing the Eagles, the championship Eagles. And I think it'll be a close game, but don't be surprised if you see Dallas, Dallas get absolutely. Murdered in the in the ball game, but anyway, enough with putting the Cowboys on national television, please. I've had enough. Okay, it's bad. It's bad enough. We're probably gonna have to put up with their ineptitude against the Redskins on on Thanksgiving Day. Eating turkey, we we get to see Ezekiel Elliott, you know, get swarmed by the by the Redskins de- defensive front, and and look at Dak Prescott throw. Uh, have get and give and have Dak Prescott throwing interceptions to the DJ Swearinger and Ha Ha Clinton Dix and Josh Norman every which way, while eating some nice turf courtesy of uh, Ryan Kerrigan. Ugh, this is it's bad enough. We got to put him on everything. Stop putting him on national television. Anyway, I digress. Two biggest positives to that's Cowboys. Our head coach Jason Garrett, as they like to call. Coach Clap does nothing with clap. You know, kick off, you know, clap, you know, punt, clap, uh, sack, clap. Oh, half of AT&T Stadium blew up, you know, clap. A player t- uh, tore their ACL, tore their Achilles at practice. Yep, that's, uh, that's clap. He's mis- clap with everything. He probably turn- gets up in the morning, turns on his lights, clap, the lights come on. Anyway, I've had enough of Jason Garrett, okay? Enough. Done not- they- the franchise has done nothing, even if they were... They- had to, they had one of the best records in football in 2006. Did nothing. Uh, enough. 2004, even though it wasn't nothing. Okay, enough. I've seen I've seen, and I've had enough of Jason. And plenty of Cowboys fans have too. He's one of the biggest problems hindering this, hindering this franchise. But they don't need to blow anything up. What they need to do is A, get rid of Sean Lee. He's always hurt, for, for one. And number two, fire Jason Garrett. This franchise cannot continue to, this franchise cannot expect to be successful and expect to move in a positive, fruitful direction as a football team having that 
bum on the sidelines, Jason Garrett at coach. I'm sorry, he doesn't. He could he couldn't he couldn't motivate he could he couldn't he couldn't motivate a homeless person to to go to go get food for crying out loud. He he could he couldn't he couldn't motivate a refugee to to drive to their local McDonald's if his life depended on it. He can't coach his way out of a paper bag. I'm sorry, but Jason Garrett, he no he he's he's just as inspiring he's he's just as inspiring as is staring as staring at staring at a brick wall you can't win anything with him at head coach i'm sorry and j and j and jerry jones has to wake up you realize that there's a good portion of cowboys fans that are getting a little sick and tired of of this stuff cuz granted they don't like when Stephen a smith trolls him on first take like he did on monday but they know deep down that Stephen A. was speaking the truth. And if Jerry, Jerry Jones has got to stop living in his feelings and, 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 and living in his feelings and being emotional and get his head from in between his and Jason Garrett's legs, wake up and smell the coffee and realize that, that this coach is a hindrance to our success as a football team. When we come back, when I come back, excuse me, I'll discuss Alabama and their dominance in college football and the Washington Wizards being a disgusting, awful basketball franchise to watch so far in this early and young 2018-2019 NBA season. We'll be back right after this. Welcome back to the Amateur Like a TIS podcast. Shifting gears to... Do a little college football. Haven't done any of it on this very young podcast that I've had. Done all NFL football for the most part and some baseball in in between. So let's spread our split horizons to the collegiate level of this grit, the great sport of gridiron football. The Alabama Crimson Tide, they are... They are college football right now. No doubt they are the best team in college football. They are 9-0 and right now. As of the time I'm recording this podcast, they are up against, at home against 16th ranked Mississippi State, Dak Prescott's old school. They are up on them with 728 in the fourth quarter, 24 zip. With Alabama having the ball at their 45 yard line. First and ten, but anyway, they're coming heading into today's game. They had just shut out last Saturday night. They had just shut out LSU in Baton Rouge, twenty nine to nothing. They quarterback Tagovailoa, I think that's how you pronounce his name. He went twenty five for forty two with two hundred and ninety five yards, two touchdowns, and an interception. Damian Harris had 19 carries, 107 rushing yards, and a touchdown. And Jerry Judy had 8-7-103 yards. Alabama is college football. I mean, there's not there's nothing else to say. I mean, I saw the, I saw what you know what CBS what CBS had the SEC game of the week. I saw what this I said oh, this game isn't going to be even close. There's really no even sense. 
if a game has Alabama and there's really no sense even watching it because it's, it's, it's like it's it's like when now I guarantee you Nick Saban doesn't look at it like that you know looks at every game the same you know you gotta you can't get ahead of yourself but anyone else who who watches college football like I do is who's been watching primarily Alabama for a long long time now with Nick Saban who can name you players over you know Mark Ingram uh A.J. McCarron, I mean, uh, Calvin Ridley. I mean, me. I mean, I can name you players at the NFL right now that, that went to Alabama. Trent Richardson. I mean, I can go on and on, on. So, out of all the college football teams I know, it's Alabama. I've seen them a long time play, and I know how Nick Saban works. This, this, this football team is on a completely different level. They are on a. They are. They're going to be ten and zero by the time this game's over. All they're doing, I got the game on right now. All they're doing is is rushing, running the ball, getting getting decent yards, working the clock. And they just had an entire pile push their running back uh, to get another first down. But anyway, that clock's going. That clock is rolling. Six oh one, six oh one in the fourth quarter. I mean, this is a team. This is a. This is. A, then they're up twenty four nothing. Defense is fantastic. Their quarterback with Tagalo Valoa, he is a stud. There's, there's nothing else to say. Alabama is college football. It's Alabama and everybody else. Alabama is on that elite level once again. And it's just, you got to give all credit to Nick Saban, a master recruiter he is and a master of a, of a, of a college football coach. You know he 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 is the Coach K, the John Wooden of of college football. He is he is college football's Lombardi. Their college football uh, college football's Belichick. You know this is college football's Phil Jackson and Pat Riley. There there is nothing else to say. Nothing. He 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 is that good. He goes out. He recruits. He gets these players in. He trains them into the system. They go. They play well in the system that they have. They are a disciplined football team, and they win games. In conference, in division, out of conference, out of division, whatever. They they win. They win football games. I don't want to hear about Penn Ohio State. You know, Penn State who got destroyed last week against Michigan. Absolutely destroyed. I don't hear anything about them. No one hear anything about Ohio State. LSU just got blown out 29 zip last week. Nuh-uh, n- not nothing with them. Georgia don't want to hear anything from them either. I don't hear anything about Georgia, no, neither. They can't, no. I, I'd have to see it, but I don't think Georgia nowhere near is on Alabama's level. I mean, maybe in the neighborhood, but no. And Michigan, who's done nothing since Jim Harbaugh's been there, definitely not going with them either. And Clemson is in the team that they that they once were with Deshaun Watson at quarterback. So they are the best team in college football right now and are on pace when yet another national championship. Now who they will have to beat in mid in early January to, to do that remains to be seen. Shifting gears to Basketball, which I have yet to touch on in this pod, in this whole episode of podcast I've done, 
people have gained, started to gain a little bit, a little bit of an audience. People have asked, "Hey, uh, can you uh, talk some basketball?" So yeah, I can, I can arrange that. And not uh, ground won't be breaking down basketball every episode, you know, you know. But on a slow, on a slow sports week like this, where there's not that many great um, watering at the mouth NFL games going on, and Alabama's kicking everybody's butt. And the baseball season is finally over, and there's nothing going on with Machado or Harper yet, free agency wise. Why not? And the team I will pick to talk about, I thought about talking about the Lakers, but I'll say that for another day. You know, that'd be something for me to go off on. Lonzo Ball, and how, what a joke he That's something for me I can save to go off on in mid February when there's nothing going on. But the Washington Wizards which is the team I'll talk about today in this little segment. The Washington Wizards stink. They stink. Washington Wizards have lost five straight games up to last Sunday when they beat the Knicks 108-95. to They've lost two straight to the Orlando Magic by 15 points or more heading into today. It's their worst start since 2012 when they went 29 and 53 and missed the playoffs. They're two and nine heading into tonight, and they're bad. I'm sorry, but Washington went—they're bad. And Steve A. Smith said it on first take early in the week. It's time for them to blow. It's time to blow them up because they've never made it. With John Wall, they've never made it to a conference finals. It's either they are horrendous in regular season, missed the playoffs, they had a 500-year few years back, but they make the playoffs, it's conference semifinals and out, or first round and out. Prime example, last year, first round, exit to the Toronto Raptors. And lost the same year before that. Washington Wizards stink. Okay, this is, this is you know, the only thing I can really save the Wizards right now is if they blow it up and keep Wall for it, keep Wall and hoping that he can lure um, Kevin Durant to D.C., which is where, which is his home, which is, you know, playground born and raised, you know, in the, I got the line wrong. Washington D.C. born and raised player, and we spent most of his days. I got the lyric wrong. I almost never get that lyric wrong, but anyway. But they stink. Uh, Washington Wizards are awful. Two and nine again. Ubre, no, I can't. John Wall's trying his best, but please explain to me why Dwight Howard is still in, is still employed on an NBA roster. This is a guy that hasn't been relevant. Since 2011. Why is he still on an end? Now, granted, I'm not watching every Wizards game. Nor do I really need to when the Warriors are going to win yet another championship in this predictable, boring NBA season. And I could give a crap about Jimmy Butler going to 76. Since six ain't winning no championships. So what does it even matter this year? But the Wizards stink. They They stink. Unless they can get Kevin Durant here, there's really nothing that they can do but stink up the joint and basically be forced to tank almost. 
because it's all because all of a sudden it's hashtags trust the process now, where it's okay to actually be a pathetic failure in front of your fans. I don't. I say blow the plate, blow the thing up, and start over, and see if you can, see if you can attract Kevin Durant there in the in the near future. That's what I would. That's what I would do if I was the uh, the Washington Wizards. When I get when I come back, two really two games that's catch my eye in Week Ten of the NFL: Saints, the Bungles, Seahawks, and Rams. We'll discuss that. Take another break. Give you my week 10 picks to close out the show. But we'll come back and talk two big week 10 games I'm looking forward to tomorrow. We'll be back. I'm a Telekatiaia's podcast. Back after this. Welcome back to I'm a Telekatiaia's podcast. Um, Alabama just finished off. Mississippi State, this is their first time shutting out back-to-back top 25 opponents in their school's history. And they couldn't even do that with Bear Bryant as their head coach. But Alabama rolls on to 10-0 in this 2018 NCAA Division I football season. But anyway, shifting gears back to the NFL, um, there's two games I really... They're really catching my eye and that are must-watches, if you ask me, in the NFL. And that's uh, Saints and Bengals and Seahawks-Rams. Uh, we'll do Saints and Bengals first because that, that game comes on at 1 o'clock. And they consist my favorite teams, so, talk, so we're talking about them first anyway, regardless. The Saints are coming off of a uh, win... At home, giving the Rams their first loss of the season. And coming off of a win at home. Uh, the Saints are 4-0 on the road. Best start since 2009. They've won six in a row after... They are on a six-game winning streak. They're 7-1. They're on a six-game winning streak after falling to Fitz magic to falling to a case of Fitz magic that infiltrated the Mercedes-Benz Superdome in week 1. They've won 6 in a row since then. They've signed Des Bryant Earl over the week ending his long search of employment, but unfortunately towards Achilles Friday at practice and he'll be out for the rest of the season. It was a one-year deal for Des Bryant. Um, meanwhile, my bungles are coming off of a bye after the two weeks before. They really should have put them away. It should have been a blowout, but they either it was their bungling, which I think it was, or it was another, or Fitzmagic infiltrated inside Paul Brown Stadium. And the Buccaneers needed a little comeback to tie the game up, but thanks to Randy Bullock field goal, as time expired, we won the game. Heading into our bye week at five and three, couple notes here for the Bungles. Um, the Bungles are four, five, and one when AJ Green does not play. He's out with a foot injury. He'll miss this week's game and next week's game against on the road against Baltimore, which is really which is tough because the the bank the Bengals' secret formula to beating the Ravens is. 
A.J. Green, he had a big game. A three, three receiving tight touchdowns. Alabama beats Mississippi State 24 nothing. Anyway, but the Bengals' secret formula and prime example week two on th- Thursday night, it was A.J. Green, three receiving touchdowns in the first half of, in the first half of the game alone. He's been their secret weapon to beating the Ravens, and, and we'll discuss it next week. Uh, it'll be interesting to see how the Bengals will adapt without A.J. Green there. No Tyler Eifert again broke his ankle in the Falcon game, so it'll be a he- so they'll rely heavy on Tyler Boyd and Joe Mixon in that game come next Sunday. But anyway, he won't play tomorrow against. The Saints at home and the Bengals are four five and one when AJ Green is not in the lineup. And the Bengals are five nine and one after a buy under Marvin Lewis. So you put all that together, the Bengals are going to get absolutely embarrassed and are going to get absolutely beat the smithereens. I think I am. I don't know how the players honestly would straight face walking into that game thinking they actually have a chance. Does Brian or not? They won without Des Bryant. They beat the best team in football last week. They can, they don't, they don't need it as Brian. I mean, they they'd like to have him, but trust me, they they've won they've won six in a row since week one, and they just beat the best team in football. Had coming into the last week's game, the only the only team left to, left without a loss. Coming in that last week's game, okay, they don't need Des Bryant. So you put all that together. They're four and on the road. Best start since your championship season in 2009. Saints are 4-0 on the road. 1-6 straight. Coming off a big one being, the at the time, the only undefeated team in football. At home, no less. Bengals are 4-5-1 on A.J. Green on play. And they're 5-9-1 under Marvin Lewis after a bye week. Put that all together. I will not be a happy camper come this time tomorrow. 6-51 Eastern Standard Time. I'm just giving it to you straight. But I'll pick that game later on. Seahawks and Rams. First time those teams matched up. Uh, the Rams just... Bar- the Seahawks almost gave the Rams first loss of the season back in October. If it hadn't been for Pete Carroll making an asinine decision calling timeout on the Rams fourth and one. You know, the game could and the Seahawks could have gotten the ball with plenty of time left for Russ Wilson to work his magic and drive down the field and put together a game-winning drive. But it turns out it didn't happen that way. So Seahawks are looking to split the season series with the Rams as they go to the L.A. Coliseum to try to see if they can get the Rams to fall into a little two-game losing streak. Um, the Seahawks are coming off of a heartbreaking loss at home against the Chargers, where they almost beat Philip Rivers and company, after making after struggling midway through the game, Russell Wilson got his crew together and they came and they tried to make a last second effort to come back and win, but they failed to do so. Russell Wilson, the uh, Rams have been Russell Wilson's demons in his in his still young NFL career. He's six and seven. Against the Rams, that's St. Louis and Los Angeles combined. And he's been stacked 51 times since 2012 by the Rams. So you can see that the Rams are not Russell Wilson's favorite team statistically to go up against. Meanwhile, the Rams, like I said, breaking down the Saints Bengals game, they're coming off of their first loss of the season and they shoot out on the road against New Orleans. Todd Gurley 
scored a touchdown in 12 straight games dating back to last season, the longest active streak in the NFL and in Rams franchise history. So when we get back, I will give I will give you the picks for week 10 in the NFL right after this. Welcome back to the Amatelaga TIS podcast. Now it's time for our week 10 picks in the NFL. In the league uh, against the spread in a league where they play for pay. First up, it's the New England Patriots against the Tennessee Titans. Titans coming off of a Monday night win, a dominant Monday night win on the road against the Dallas Cowboys. Meanwhile, New England is coming off of a 14-point win up against the battle between Rodgers and Brady on Sunday night football at home. Excuse me. The Patriots are favorite minus six and a half over under points. Number is 46 and a half. I'll take New England and the points go go under. I'll take New England 21 to 14. The Chargers at Oakland. Oakland is coming off of a Thursday night loss against the 49ers. Only have one win on the season. Meanwhile, the Chargers are coming off of a win, like I said earlier in the program, beating uh, help with a little help from their defense, beating beating going on the road and beating Seattle late. The Chargers are favored at minus ten over under combined points fifty and a half. I will go under and I will take the Chargers twenty eight to fourteen. Game number three. It's Detroit and Chicago. Detroit coming off of a loss at the hands of the Purple People Eaters and the Minnesota Vikings. They, as they continue their road streak against the their uh, their road streak against the uh, NFC North, as they will head to Chicago to play the Chicago Bears, who are on fire and beat the living crap out of Nathan Petermeme and the Buffalo Bills. Chicago's at home. Their favorite at minus six and a half over under number combined points is 45. I'll take Chicago 28 to 20. Arizona and Kansas City. Arizona coming off of a bye week, I believe. Yes, I believe a bye week. Let me check. But I th- I'll check while I'm uh, talking. But Arizona, so they head into Kansas City after Kansas City took care of business against the Cleveland Browns on the road. Kansas City is favored at minus 16.5. Over, 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 under number for combined points scored is 50. I'll go the under. I'll take Kansas City 37 to 10. Seattle and the Rams. Like I said, I've said about Ad Infinite within the, within the past uh, 20 minutes or so. Seattle coming off of a heartbreaking loss at the hands of the Chargers. They had they go on the road to play the rank to have a rematch with the Rams, who are looking for another win after running into a buzzsaw that is the New Orleans, the New Orleans Saints on the road last week. The Rams are favored at minus 10. Over under number of points is 51 and a half. 
I will tie the uh, the combined number of I will tie the combined number I will go with the Vegas point spread. I will go over with the points, but I will be even with Vegas with the point spread, and I'll take the Rams 31-21. Dallas at Philadelphia. Philadelphia's favorite at minus six and a half. Over uh, as they are coming off of as they are coming off of a I believe coming off of a bye week. As a matter of fact, after beating Jacksonville in London. Meanwhile, Dal- meanwhile, Dallas is coming off of a Monday Night Football loss at the hands of the Tennessee Titans. Philadelphia is favored at minus six and a half. A combined number of points is forty-three. I'll go over, and Philadelphia, I believe, will win thirty-one to seventeen. Yes, Arizona is coming off of a bye, as I said earlier. Had to uh, fact check myself doing be spreading uh, fake news going around. Um, <laughs> laugh, laugh, laugh. Um, Atlanta is at Cleveland. Atlanta, they are coming off of a... Atlanta, let's see. Atlanta, how can I forget? Atlanta is coming off of a absolutely colossal butt whooping at the hands of Matt Ryan and company beating the Redskins 38 to 14 as they head into Cleveland who has faced their own demons and um, have gone a little game a good supple amount of games without a football without a win as they lost at the hands of Patrick Mahomes whose players continually on fire as well as Kareem Hunt who who is just as Important, just as valuable as their as as uh, Kansas City's hot start as Mahomes has been. I digress. Falcons and the Browns. Falcons are favored at minus four. Combined points fifty and a half. I'll take Atlanta and go under at forty eight points. I'll take Atlanta thirty one seventeen. Washington coming off of a butt whooping at the hands of the at home at off the hands of the. Atlanta Falcons, like I said earlier, they head to Tampa Bay as Tampa Bay is coming off of a loss to the Carolina Panthers last Sunday as they return home. Tampa Bay is favored at minus three, 51 and 51 and a half the combined points. I'll take Washington, but I'll go plus three with Washington. And I'll take Washington 28-23. New Orleans at Cincinnati. New Orleans coming off of a win after as they are on a hot win streak, winning six, six, seven in a row now. Is the New Orleans Saints they coming in Cincinnati, who's coming off of a bye week after uh, beating after beating the uh, should have been a lot. It shouldn't have been as close as it was, but anyway, after beating the Saints division rival, the Buccaneers at home. They will remain at home for they head off to Baltimore. Saints favorite at minus four and a half. Combined number of points is 54. I'll take New Orleans and go over. I think New Orleans will win 38-21. Indianapolis at Jackson, or Jacksonville at Indianapolis, excuse me. The Colts are favored at minus three. Combined points is 47. I will go 
over 53. I'll take Jacksonville plus three points. I think Jacksonville will win 28-25. The Dolphins at, or excuse me, yeah, the Dolphins at Green Bay. That's what I thought. Come on, trust yourself, John. Anyway, Dolphins and Packers. Dolphins coming off of a sloppy, but they'll take it win against the New York Jets at home. Last week, meanwhile, Green Bay is coming off of a 14-point loss on the road at the hands of Tom Brady. Packers minus Packers are favored at minus 10. 47.5 points the combined number. I'll tie Vegas. I'll tie Vegas. I'll excuse me. I'll tie Vegas with the point spread. I'll take Green Bay 31-21, and I'll go over with that one. The Jet, the excuse me, the Bills at the Jets. Like I said, Jets coming off of a sloppy loss on the road against Dolphins as they head on as they head home to take on the Buffalo Bills, who got extremely embarrassed at the hands of Mitch Trubisky and company, as the Buffalo Bills, who are just a, a complete laughing stock in just a short amount of time after we thought everything was going up and up, drafting a franchise quarterback and going nine and seven, making the playoffs last year. Jets are favored at minus seven and a half. Combined points is thirty six and a half. I'll take Buffalo with the points at seven and a half, but I think the Jets will win the game twenty one fourteen. I'll go under with that one. And the last game, the absolute snooze fest, Tank Bowl number four. It will be the Giants who have done nothing since beating the Patriots in the Super Bowl and the Odell Beckham Jr. Circus. We'll get to see the Giants again on Monday Night Football, much to our chagrin, going up against the hapless San Francisco 49ers without Jimmy Garoppolo. That game is, I am not making any appointments to watch that game. Under any circumstances, it's a horrible football game. That's a game I can live without seeing. San Francisco is favored at minus three points. 43 and a half the combined score. I'll tie Vegas with the point spread. I'll take San Francisco 23 to 20, and I'll go under with 43 combined points. So, that is your picks for week 10 in the league where they play for pay. Right, thank you for listening to another episode of the Like a TIS podcast. Next episode is slated for next Saturday. Stay tuned for that. On Make sure to subscribe on Spotify. If you listen to this podcast on Spotify, anchor.fm, or on your Anchor app, and Apple Podcasts as well. Leave, make sure to subscribe. And if you're listening on Apple Podcasts, make sure to Give a uh, start to rate this podcast episode via stars, one to five stars. Write a review and tell me what you think and tell you what you think I should improve on with this podcast. And any requests if you want me to talk about a certain certain thing, even though, you know, I'm not talking about lacrosse. I'm sorry, I'm not doing it. But anything, whether it's hockey, whether it's more basketball, whether it's more college football, I'll be happy to oblige and I will make sure I do that. So write a review. If you're listening to this on Apple Podcasts, rank it on Apple Podcasts with the star, one to five stars, and make sure to subscribe on whatever platform, whether it's Google, here on Anchor, Apple, or Spotify. If you listen, wherever you listen to this podcast, be sure to subscribe. 
Thank you for listening. I'll talk to y'all next Saturday. Y'all have a rest, a great rest of your weekend and enjoy week 10 in the NFL. Thanks for listening. Hope that you come back and listen next week. Take care. God bless. See you.